Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. On today's episode, it is my pleasure to welcome Mimi Song. Hey Mimi, how are you? Hello! <laughs> thanks so much for being here with me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. I, um, I don't think a lot of people know about my profession. I know I didn't know my profession even existed, so um, I'm very excited to share. Yeah. Okay. So Mimi is here to talk to us about her job and her day-to-day as a certified nurse midwife. It's, I know the acronym for that is CNM. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm excited because um, as a mom of two and going through the birthing process and labor and all that, I have like a lot of questions on a, like about being a midwife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but let me um, ask you, like, what is a midwife? Um, so a midwife, um, I'm sure people have heard of like granny midwives or things like that, but a certified nurse midwife is a medically trained healthcare provider that specializes in women's health, ranging from the very beginning of puberty all the way up through menopause. And then of course, a, addition to just general women's healthcare from annual exams, pap smears, breast exams, um, any, you know, discomfort with women's genitalia. Um, There is a big part of pregnancy. So we take care of women in uh, home settings, office settings, hospital settings. um, And uh, we see patients in the office, but then we do all throughout the prenatal care from beginning to end. And then uh, we can also assist in deliveries or be the person who delivers babies. Oh, wow. um, So I work in a, there's different types of midwives, but I am one that works in an office setting during the week. And then I deliver babies on call in the hospital. And my hospitals that I deliver out of are Emory Johns Creek and Northside Forsyth. Um, okay, so... I feel a little bit like ignorant in what in knowing what a midwife is because everything you just said, I guess like, I don't know, growing up, I just thought the word midwife meant like delivering babies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but I guess it's really cool that you are actually seeing um, patients um, in that capacity as well. Now, how is that different than a, like an OB doc, OBGYN doctor? So we basically do everything that OBGYN does, except our approach is going to be more a holistic approach. And um, uh, certified nurse midwives, we don't have to go through medical school. So the biggest difference that you would see is we cannot do surgery. So Mm -hmm. if there is a birth that has to happen by a C-section, or if there are GYN issues of irregular uh, bleeding, irregular cycles that need require surgery, we would not be certified to do that. But otherwise, in the full scope of women's health care practice, we're able to do that. So in the office setting, um, if it's birth control or contraception management, we can do that. We can prescribe medication. Um, and there's different types of midwives. So there is like your lay midwife who you know, in more rural areas, may not have any medical training, and they um, just have experience delivering babies in the barn. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there is a like a certified midwife or a CM or a certified professional midwife. They go through not as intense of a, a training program. Um, it's more short term, and their focus is just delivering babies. Um, and it's different state by state, but license wise. Um, lay midwives or certified professional midwives may not be um, licensed in certain states like Georgia does not recognize certified professional midwives or lay midwives. Mm. And so if there was ever any complications that led to a lawsuit, then the patient would have to completely take full risk. Um, And certified professional midwives may not have a requirement where they would have a backup position in case of an emergency, or they may not have credentials at a hospital. If there was a reason where the birth had to be taken outside of a home setting or, you know, a birthing center, they may not have those privileges. Whereas for us um, as certified nurse midwives, we uh, are licensed in the state of Georgia. So we have protection, um, but there's also kind of things that kind of protect us, but also are there to protect patients too. Mm, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's really interesting. So um, mm-hmm. the midwife, you said in the home setting, is that someone mm-hmm. that would do like a home birth too? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And there are certified nurse midwives who do home births, who have connections to hospitals and who have backup positions available, who can prescribe medications and things like that. And they can do full like uh, annual visits, lab work, all in the home setting. But then there's also, you'll find, like if you do a Google search of midwife, you'll mm-hmm. also be able to find just certified professional midwives who may not um, have that available to them. Some will claim that they do, uh, but that's something that people would have to really watch out for if they are looking for a home birth. I think it's a great option if you have a low-risk pregnancy, um, but if you're going to do one, I would recommend one with a certified nurse midwife. Mm, okay, that's mm-hmm. good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you, okay, you used the word holistic, a little bit more holistic. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, I think we take into account like the whole being. And like especially like when we look at pregnancy, we don't see it as an illness. It's a part of life. And so... We might use um, more homeopathic things, mm-hmm. um, you know, when it comes to pain management, our first goal may not be like, let's rush to medicine. We might say, you know, let's try massage, let's try chiropractic care, acupuncture, um, let's try different herbal medications, teas, um, and then of course, um, like exercise, diet is going to be important. Um, what are a lot of things that we can do as a, a preventative measure to prevent things from getting to a point of illness? And then when we do get to a point of illness or we're sick and those homeopathic things may not be managing, um, you know, our current concern, then we can turn to, um, you know, medicine. And, um, you know, there's like a wide range. Some, you know, will consider themselves like a very granola midwife. So everything is like natural and organic and right. uh-huh. um, vegan and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, for me, I'm like kind of in the middle. I like a mix of both. Um, 
like I think there's amazing, amazing things in, in medicine. Uh, but then I also see great benefits of natural things that you can do outside of medicine. So I think that is our lens that we view from is just an approach of looking at um, as a, a woman from the whole being um, and like looking to, we're looking at, and I think great providers, whether medically trained, you know, they'll always look at you as an individual, as a patient, you know, what's important to you, what's valuable to you. Um, and so I think that we'll see in any great provider, but I think that is something that you'll kind of see across the board for a lot of midwives and their training that we receive. Um, it's just like, look, like including family, including your mental health, physical health, um, all of those things are looking kind of at the holistic big picture mm. on how, whether it's just your woman's health or is it pregnancy or is it postmenopausal symptoms we're addressing? I think we like to kind of look at the woman as a whole. I see. Okay. Um, so something that came to my mind as you were uh, talking, Mimi, was, okay, I don't, I hope that you don't take any offense to this. It's really because I'm just curious. Um, so I think I have it ingrained in me, right, that I like should see a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know where this comes from, um, yeah. but like, from what you're saying, it sounds mm-hmm. like I should see a midwife, like, you know, like, cause I feel like it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, um, to maybe not rush to like medication and things like that. I had a very difficult pregnancy for both of my mm-hmm. children and I'm mm-hmm. listening and I'm like, Oh, like why did I not know about a midwife? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So like, what is, do you have any opinions on that at all? I don't really know what I'm asking other than like, you know, like, do you ha- like for people that maybe are thinking, oh, like I, why would I see a midwife, you know, when I can see a doctor that's, you know, medically trained in the, has gone to medical school and things like that? I think, I mean, it's the general consensus, especially I think among Asians. Um, I think our culture has put us in a place where it's very normal for us to follow like authority Mm. and where you stand on that totem pole that kind of may make what that person says more valid in Mm. what they say and you feel like you know and it's not wrong because you feel like you know if that's their expertise level they're going to provide the best information for me. Um, and unfortunately, it is the misconception for midwives across the board. It's actually been, um, and I think it's worsened because especially for midwifery, um, because there are a lot of lay midwives and um, they are great in communities that don't have healthcare facilities available to them, like within 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do kind of like people just think like, oh, well, they're not going to know what's best for me. They're not going to know, you know, how to take care of me. Like I have all these complicated things going on. So how would they know what's going to be best for me? Right. And so it is, it is, a lot of it is, you know, breaking that misconception. A lot of it is educating people, especially Asian Americans, mm-hmm. because um, I don't know about for you, but for me, when it came to anything about 
my health. I knew nothing. Like what's happening with my breath? When do I need to get exams? Mm -hmm. What is a pap smear? Right. What is normal? What's not normal? How often do I have to go? Um, Like I can't talk about sex in front of a doctor or anyone because that's just hush hush and taboo. Um, And so I think when I was exposed to it too, me personally, I was like, oh, like I have never heard of such a thing in my life. And, but um, I think the more, I think healthcare in general, we're moving towards a a movement of prevention. Mm -hmm. So instead of treatment, we're, you know, we find and insurance companies are finding this all across that when we can do things to prevent disease from happening, we save way much, you know, way, way more money. And then overall, it's better for the health. Um, so I think as more people are finding out about that, they're starting to feel more comfortable with midwives. But across the board, um, in every single culture, midwives do have a negative negative um like a stigma um so but I don't take it personally um because (laughs) you should I get it like all the time okay um so it's just a matter of just like educating and some people are still like okay that's great but I still don't feel safe with you taking care of us taking care of me and I'm okay with that um I work with a great team of doctors and um I'm totally okay handing you over if we need to. Yeah, no, I mean, thank you for coming on the podcast. I feel like just even in this first five, 10 minutes, I feel so, I've learned so much. Um, And uh, just a a sidebar, um, I actually, my OBJN is Mimi's office. So I feel like... (laughs) A little bit of pride in my 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 OB right now, <laughs> which, by the way, I feel like what I love about your office too is like the um, they're what how do, they did a really good job, and it is so apparent how how diverse an ethnicity that your your team is built, and I feel mm-hmm. like they have found that so critical in caring mm-hmm. for again, the whole person, as you mentioned, yeah, yeah. Um, without even realizing it, you know, like me as a woman, I've never really mm-hmm. realized that it was of importance to me. And yeah. um, especially as a second gen, like, I don't want to go see a first gen Korean doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yes, but yeah, modern OBGYN, if you need to <laughs> modern OBGYN, <laughs> um, just to toot our offices horns, um, we are. We have three offices: Johns Creek, uh, Avalon, and then one uh, right in front of Northside Forsyth Hospital. Um, and we have we're growing practice. It's amazing, and I've only been there for a short period of time, um, but it's amazing, and I truly love it. And we have like all, just like Blair said, like all ethnicities yes. taking care of people. We have a Brazilian doctor. We have people coming, driving from Kentucky to come see our Brazilian OBGYN. Wow. Um, we have a Korean second gen um, OBGYN, Dr. Annie Kim. She's amazing. And then, Amazing. Um, She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, like all across the spectrum, uh, Spanish speaking, um, we have... Uh, like you know 
African-American, um, African-American black team members. We have like a um, whole slew of members and everyone is just so knowledgeable and yes. it's just a wonderful practice. Um, so if you ever need, you have any women's healthcare needs, come and find us. Yes, no, definitely. And you can contact me if you need their information or just want another reference or review, you know, I would be happy to give one. But Anyway, so so Mimi, can you take us through a typical day at Modern? You know, what does that look like for you? Um, so one of the things about being a midwife is babies are born 24-7, which means <laughs> we have to take 24-hour shifts. Um, oh, my goodness. So once a week, I have to do a 24-hour shift. And so I'll, um, when... I'm on, that's when we're considered to be on call. And so when we're on call, we are at the hospital and we're there delivering all the babies that are supposed to be born. Um, so um, so for deliveries, that might look like if anybody has to be induced, which means um, you're not quite in labor, but we have to give you medications to start the labor process. Um, whether it's because of medical indication or because you're like, I'm over being pregnant, get this idea out. Yeah. <laughs> then, then we might induce your labor. Um, or if there's issues with like high blood pressure, gestational diabetes, the baby's too big, um, anything like that, that would require an induction. And so we'll give medications with the, um, to kind of help with that. And the midwife who's on call will see any vaginal delivery, high risk, low risk, going natural, no medication, all the medication, epidural, whatever. So if it's a vaginal delivery, um, then the midwife who's on call will be doing that delivery. Um, and then, you know, we can, and even with a delivery, you know, it could be pushing for two hours. It could be pushing one time. Um, and then sometimes there can be some lacerations that happen where when the baby's coming out, the tissue tears, um, which happens all the time. Um, so we can repair um, those lacerations. And then um, we also round on postpartum patients. So anybody who's had a baby, whether C-section or vaginal delivery, will come and see you, make sure your pain is well controlled, you're not having any issues or pain, make sure breastfeeding is going okay. Um, and then we we will round between two hospitals. So Emory Johns Creek and Northside Forsyth, we're going to be kind of bouncing between both hospitals. Um, and of course, in communication with the physician who's our backup on that day. But for 24 hours, we're just up and available to deliver any of our office's babies that are coming in for labor. So sometimes it can be some downtime where we can just chill, relax, and there's a call room we can go to with a bed and a computer. Um, but there's other times where all the babies come together. And so it seems like everyone in the practice messages each other and says, hey, let's all go into the hospital together. So there might be a 24-hour shift where I might not sit down or sleep once. Oh um, so that is the hard part about being a midwife is the schedule is very tough. Um, but because we do one 24 hour shift, um, hour shift a week, then we are in the office for two days out of the week. 
and that gives us a 40 hour week. Um, and so in the office, um, usually I'm in the office like 8.30 to five and we see patients all day, uh, every 15 minutes we see patients. So uh, whether it's prenatal visits, contraception, birth control planning, um, UTI symptoms, um, or annual exams, pap smears, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so usually that is what a day in the midlife looks like. That is crazy. I think especially that 24 hour shift. So basically, like, unless there's some complications with the with the delivery, um, you are literally doing everything a doctor is doing. Yeah, yeah. And that's insane. I think that's also <laughs> like a misconception a lot of people have is like, you know, we'll be there all day doing all the work, pushing. And then at the very end, like the baby's about to come and they're like, when's the doctor coming? And I'm like, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's happened before. They're like, they'll ask you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so funny. I mean, it just goes to show like, there's still very little knowledge about what uh, midwives do. So, right. um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Oh man. So, um, you know, I wanted to ask like, so how has um, COVID affected delivery process and all of that with these moms? Um, well, we definitely have a lot of COVID babies. Like this is a crazy season. <laughs> um, so if you think about it, like COVID really like hit strong, like February, March mm-hmm. of 2020. And now we're in February of 2021. So all the like beginning pandemic babies were born. And then when we really got into the like, we're stuck in quarantine and, um, you know, not going anywhere. That's when everyone got busy. So mm-hmm. now all those babies are being born. So all the babies who got, um, oh my you gosh, know, all so the, funny. Yeah. All the couples who got busy in April, May, like yeah. this is the time now. Um, that is and so, so hilarious. So for labor and delivery, it is, crazy yeah every shift we have four to six seven patients delivering um so it's 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 a lot um you know in the hospital settings though it is kind of um it's different because now um because of covid for a while a lot of hospitals weren't allowing any visitors or anything like that Mm. um and so Luckily, not in Georgia, but like even in New York, where um, COVID was, you know, so horrible, um, the moms were having to deliver without their significant others, their husbands, their partners. Um, so, I mean, I can't imagine how traumatizing that would be, like to be in that setting where you're in the most pain you've ever felt in your life. Um, you're about to deliver your baby and you're by yourself. Um, but luckily in Georgia, it never got to that point. Okay. But they did cut out all um, other visitors. You were just allowed one support person. So whether that's your mom, usually it's dad, father of the baby, um, or partner, whoever it is, usually one person. And then, you know, they can go out to get food here and there, but they don't want that person to go in and out, in and out. Mm. Um, and then for a little bit, they were, you know, if you were having a boy, normally a circumcision is done um, before 
you go home. And so for a little bit, anybody who was COVID positive was not um, allowed to get a circumcision. Um, And so that was hard on a lot of families just because the older the baby gets, the harder it is for the baby to tolerate the circumcision. Um, So they realized that was happening. So they kind of let that go. And it's more because the tough part is if a circumcision has to be done, it has to be done in the nursery. And if it's a COVID positive mom, it would have to completely clear out the nursery and then leave it unused because of like sanitizing and timing and things like that. Um, So how we practice is a little bit different. Now we're in a mask 24 seven. Um, and so that's rough and moms have to push for several hours with a mask on. Stop. That's really oh my goodness. Hard. I can't yeah. even imagine like, yeah. And I just want to throw enough. up thinking about it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard enough, like pushing, like you're in, like with pushing, I think everyone's different, but like it's literally the sensation of like a bowling ball coming out of your, your, you know, your vagina. So it is intense and you want to be focused, but like you have a mask all in your face, like it is so hard. Um, but those are some things that have changed um, because so of do COVID. They, do the moms take a test before they deliver then? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I see. every single person is required to get a COVID swab when they come into the hospital, or if we have to do like a planned, uh, like induction or a C-section, then the three days before the procedure, they have to get the COVID swab done. I see. And so that is more for protection for like the healthcare workers, nurses. Sure. Um, yes. So that if you are COVID positive, you can still like we would be extra gowned up like we're going into space like gown cap goggles mask n95 uh shoe cover gloves like it is pretty intense but um so yeah so every single person does have to get covid tested um but partners dads do not have to get covid tested that makes me want to cry. I don't know why. I, I know. think just like it's just even even for you, like the provider, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't think about you guys during all this, <laughs> you know, like, and it's just like so crazy. Even, you know, mm-hmm. you guys are putting your lives on the line as well f- with your own families. And so mm-hmm. thank you, Mimi. So oh, yeah. Oh, and, and you're like bringing life into the world at the same time. It's like. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I want to know, I guess, you know, we've been talking a lot about your day to day and what it looks like to be a midwife. But um, yeah, did you always know you wanted to do this? At what point in your life? And like, yeah, can you take us back a little bit to the beginning oh. of when you decided to take this path? Um, yeah, so I had no idea what I wanted to do in life. Absolutely no idea. So um, when I went, I went to Georgia State for my bachelor's and I was like, I'm going to do business. I literally just like picked something. Mm-hmm. And then in business, I was like, uh, none of this is like interesting to me at all. And so I always knew I wanted to use knowledge that I've 
learned and helped people. So I found myself kind of drifting towards still in business, but more the hospitality industry. Mm. So I actually am a certified nurse, a wedding planner. What? (laughs) For real? Yeah. That's cool. (laughs) So I started, so I was thinking like, oh, you know, weddings, it's such a beautiful event. It's amazing. Um, And so I was like, okay, I'm going to be a wedding planner. So that is actually what I first started my initial career in. And I learned very quickly, like I worked for, it was like the movie, The Wedding Planner. Like Mm -hmm. I worked for like a mega company. We had like, we didn't have like things in our suit jackets, but we had this like huge duffel bag (laughs) where like you would roll out this like organizer and it had everything like socks, um, fake bouquet, um, like anything, medication, right, um, right, right. Like whatever you can think of for wedding, like we had it. We and it was like insane. <laughs> um, like the amount of money that people put into weddings, like yes, it was like standard forty thousand on flowers. Mm. Boom, go, yeah. That's and it crazy. Was just insane. Um, it was the worst job I have oh. ever done in my life. Mm. Um, I think it's just so sad because the industry like you put wedding in front of anything and they upcharge it like 900 percent um and they know it and they know and you know they'll market it like oh you know it's your one day it's your special day so you know you can spend all your money and take out a loan it's okay you know so it's not okay people it's not okay not okay (laughs) um so I think just seeing that I was just so like turned off by the industry and I just felt like everyone was just ripping people off mm-hmm. um and it turned to this like amazing beautiful thing to just like a big money maker and so it pissed me off and so I was like okay this is not right for me but I still had no idea what I wanted to do in life and then randomly, um, a friend of mine, I was visiting a friend of mine, and he introduced me to a family friend, and um, she worked as a nurse. And one day she was like, hey, you should just come over and see what I do. And I had no idea anything about healthcare, anything. Um, and she actually worked as a mother baby nurse. So the nurse who takes care of moms and babies after delivery. And she was in the women's center and she was just like holding a baby and she was just going through the circulation of a baby. Like it was amazing. So just how a baby goes from being inside the womb, breathing in like fluid, and then all of a sudden gets squeezed out through delivery and then is able to all of a sudden breathe air. You know, it's just crazy to think about the change that a baby goes through. Then you think about, oh my gosh, a woman carried this baby that started as like a little egg and now it's like an actual baby, you right. know, that turns into an adult. And so she was just explaining that to me. And I was like, I was, I think um, in my senior year of uh, business school and that senior year, I was like, nope, not business school. I'm going to go into nursing. Um, and so I was like, okay, it's such a waste. I can't just like 
I'm in my senior year. So I went ahead and like rushed through all my classes, finished uh, my degree, and then I went straight into prerequisites. And like, I was not like science minded at all because mm-hmm. I was taking like geology, astrology for my science classes. So I had to take all the prerequisites oh, for like chemistry, um, uh, microbiology, anatomy, all of those. And then um, got into nursing school at Kennesaw State. And, um, and then with labor and delivery, like you have to, as a nursing student, you have to make rounds to different, you know, different units. So you kind of have an idea of what kind of nursing you want to practice. And I went to, my rotation for labor and delivery was at Grady, like in the ghetto, rough, uh, low income, low education patients, and just anybody's coming through the door. But the first time I had a delivery, I was with a Hispanic family and like my Spanish is horrible because I never took Spanish, but I was, I was witnessing a birth happening and the mom was amazing. She was so peaceful. She had an epidural, but she was like very peaceful. She was in control. She was like listening to the doctor. Um, it was a resident at Grady and the baby was being born. And I was like hugging the dad. I was like bawling. I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and um, the dad was kind of like, who is this like, Asian girl just clinging on to me? You know, but I was just like in tears because I was just so amazed wow. at like the journey of like life being born and coming yes. into the world. Yes. And so like when I saw that happen, I'm a Christian and I like when you see it happen, you cannot deny God. Whatever whatever you believe in, like when you see birth and happening, like you cannot deny that like God was a part of every single step of the way. Wow. And so um it was just amazing. And then once I had that rotation, I was like I don't care about anything else. This is what I want to do. Labor and delivery. That's it. Labor and delivery. Mm. And so, um, and so I got through nursing school, but um, labor and delivery is a specialty field. So you usually, unless like you got training during school, you won't be able to get in as a new grad. And so I got to practice nursing in like um, random areas like cardiac health and um, like general bedside nursing. Um, and then finally, I had the opportunity to enter into labor and delivery. And so I started out in the ghetto, Atlanta Medical Center downtown. And, um, you know, also a rough hospital, but they have one of the, like, they have the most amazing midwives in the world, like amazing. Um, and that's where I first learned about what a midwife was. Wow. So, um, so like all of a sudden they would come in and Atlanta Medical Center is one of the few hospitals that actually does or allows for water birth to happen. So we have a lot of patients who are coming for unmedicated um, deliveries with a midwife. And so, you know, they would deliver babies in all types of positions, like in the shower, squatting, you know, um, like one leg up or, you know, it wasn't I cannot even you... um, like fathom this, like, <laughs> like only because I've been there, you know, but like, you know, it would be a different story if I've never had kids, but I'm just trying, I like this, that's, that's something 
for those of yeah. you who had children, that's that's something. Okay, but anyway, yeah. Uh huh. I think like we think about birth happening like in movies. It's like always this crazy thing, like what? What baby's coming? You know, yeah. and like everyone's screaming and yelling, and like it's just a crazy scene. And sometimes it can get like that, but majority of the births are pretty like like very like chill. Especially if there's an epidural involved, you're just like. Hmm, you know okay bush and then yeah. that's it, you know? <laughs> um, so but the midwives there were amazing like so knowledgeable and like they didn't care where you came from they didn't care what color skin you had they didn't care if you were educated or you were not if you were rich you were poor they took care of every single patient like it was their daughter their sister their friend mm-hmm. um their best friend their mom and so Like, that's where I learned, like, oh, man, like, they have a special connection with these patients, and they get to be a part of this amazing moment where their child is being born, Um, and, um, like, it was just amazing, and I learned so much, and when I first saw what a midwife did, I was like, oh, my God, that's what I want to do. But then I was like, dang, I screwed myself. Because when I was in nursing school, I was like, okay, I'm never going back to school again. I'm going to be a labor and delivery nurse, and I'm good. And so I just kind of, like, squeaked by school, didn't do very well. My GPA was horrible. Um, and now I learned that to be a midwife, you have to go through more school. Oh, and of course. Of course. <laughs> I did not have the credentials to get in, but I knew like this is what God has called me to be. Like mm-hmm. I was so convicted and passionate about it. So I applied everywhere, all across the nation. Um, and I got a lot of rejections. Um, and so um, a nursing degree is a bachelor's of science in nursing. Okay. Um, and then you get licensed um, in your state that you live in um, as a registered nurse. And then to become a midwife, you do you go through a master's program um, and then you have to get licensed again um, through that. So you hold a registered nurse license and then a certified nurse license. Mm. Um, and so... Um, but finally, there was one school in New York, Stony Brook University, that decided to give me a chance. And thank God they did not just look at my GPA, um, but they actually interviewed people um, just like uh, like a, they did Skype then. Um, they didn't have Zoom back then, but um, they interviewed me and asked me what my passions were. And I just went on and on and on and on and on. And I was like, I know my grades aren't the greatest, but I know I can do this. And like, I will make you proud and blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> they gave me a chance. And so I graduated with my uh, midwifery degree in 2017. Okay. Um, and so, how long is that program, Mimi? Um, so it's you, it, it ranges from like two, no. Uh, yeah, two to three years. Sometimes it's a little bit more accelerated, but about two to three years of additional schools on top of like if you have a bachelor, we would need a bachelor's four years, two years of um, master's. Mm, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. There are some programs like in Georgia, there's a really cool program that takes you straight through. So you go and get um, at Emory, you go and get your bachelor's in nursing, and then you go straight through and get your uh, midwifery 
or a nurse practitioner license or something like that. And I think that is like a four four or five year program. Okay, all the way in total, I see. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But I guess you would kind of have to know like what you wanted, though, if you wanted to do that kind of program, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Some people... Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a nurse practitioner, a nurse practitioner similar to like a primary care physician, um, but there are also like registered nurses who have entered into, you know, becoming providers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's similar schooling. And so some people are nurses and they're like, oh, I definitely want to kind of further my degree. Um, and then... Um, so yeah, so I think definitely midwifery is like a specialty field and it's, you know, major, majorly dominated by women. Mm. It's like 1% <laughs> male. But if you think about it, there's also male OBGYNs. Yeah. Um, but uh, male midwives are not, are not as popular, um, unfortunately. But I think they would be amazing. Yeah. And it's something yeah. more needed. Um, and then, of course, we look at the population, and we definitely don't see a lot of Asian midwives. Um, definitely not many Korean midwives. Mm. Um, and so, I think it's so important uh, for you know, if anyone's interested in the field, to kind of just you know, if it's an inkling of a passion, like definitely go for it because we have, especially as Asians and Korean Americans, we have so many things in our culture that like either we need to break away from or we need to uplift because yes. it's so amazing. Yes. Um, like being Korean, like if you have a baby, you're not allowed to wear short cleats, even if it's 120 degrees outside and you can't eat large chunks of meat. Oh girl, my mom wouldn't off. let me open the refrigerator. I was like, yeah, what, is, yeah. what is that? Like, I what will happen want to, to me if I yeah. open the refrigerator? <laughs> like I was told I can't eat big chunks of meat because yes. my teeth would fall out. Like, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like just weird things like that. And like, you have to eat milk or seaweed soup every day, three times a day, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's all you can eat after you have a baby. Um, or, you know, contraception, like, no, you're you're gonna get STDs or I don't know. It's gonna mess with your <laughs> hormones, and you're never gonna be able to have pregnant, you know, get pregnant ever. Like so many things we don't know, but then great things, you know, with having people there and helping, like family helping after a baby's born. Uh, and and so I think if we can have more midwives available, Korean, Chinese, whatever, Asian American, um, I think we can really direct our care to the moms based on your culture, but also kind of correct the things that may not be so true. Um, so it's definitely a huge need. So if there's anybody who has like an inkling of a desire to work with women on a daily basis, um, I highly, highly, highly recommend it because it is amazing. Yes. No, I mean, you make me want to be a midwife. Honestly, I mean, I would never because that's just not, I can't see myself doing that. But like, um, I mean, your heart and passion for what you do, Mimi, I'm just so inspired by it in itself. And what you said, I just want to echo that. Like, I do feel that, I mean, in a lot of the 
interviews I've been doing, you know, I have been highlighting Asian Americans for that reason. You know, it's like I think there just needs to be uh, more representation and especially what you're saying now as a woman myself, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it matters, you know, like how you talk to the person. They know where you're coming from. They know what your mom and dad are saying at home um, about what you should and shouldn't do. And I think, yeah, I think if yeah, if you have questions, like, please, like, Mimi is the one to talk to, I feel like, because she <laughs> definitely has some answers for you. Um, but, you know, I wanted to go back briefly to your experience at um, Midwifery School. Am I saying that right? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, so, I mean, you know, with what you say that you're able to do in the, as a midwife in the OB-GYN office, I mean, I'm imagining it's like medical school, like, except with the exception of a few other things, like, you know, like round, like, I don't know what you do, actually. I don't know what medical students do, but, but, um, like, you know, uh, resident, do you have like residency and stuff or? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's pretty similar. Um, but when we're looking at midwifery, like, we're really focused on women's health. Sure. So we're looking at, like, when we're looking at uh, pharmacy and drugs and uh, medications, we're specifically looking at, like, how does this affect the breastfeeding mom, the mom who is hypertensive and who is, has a history of blood clots and smokes mm-hmm. and uh, uh, or like how does this affect breastfeeding moms or does this medication cross over to the babies? But on top of that, we also focus on like medications, you know, really specific to women, like Mm. hormone therapy, contraceptions, birth control. Um, So we go through all like similar classes, like we'll definitely go through like an intense um, anatomy and physiology course where we know like the ins and outs of how every major organ works and how major circulation system works um so you'll usually go through like every nurse practitioner program or midwifery program will have like certain core courses that they would go through but it's kind of sometimes tailored to really what you're going to be focusing on and then um can you hear me okay yeah I think my airpods might be running out of battery but okay that's okay (laughs) okay um um but um I'm going to charge one if that's okay. okay. Um, sorry, segue. Um, but also we do go through clinical. So my program was mainly online and I would have to do like all the didactics and like learning online with textbooks and lectures online. Okay. And then like every three or four times a semester, I would have to go to New York and, um, and then do like learn skills like suturing and um, placing IUDs. And sorry, I use my hands a lot and this is not appropriate. <laughs> um, um, like placing IUDs, doing physical exams, breast mm. exams, things like that. Um, so you do learn those skills. And then while you're in school, you do have to complete clinicals where you are paired up with a professional like working certified nurse midwife and you have rotations that you have to do and certain requirements you have to meet. So you have to see so many postmenopausal patients. You have to see so many menopausal patients, puberty patients, contraception, uh, STD testing, um, deliveries. There's a certain number of deliveries you have to go through and you have to 
kind of pass all of these certain things. Um, and then the person that you're following, they have to say like, okay, yes, this person is okay to do this. No, this person needs more training. And so um, the majority of the time that you are in school, probably like the later year is all um, clinical. It's like being in the hospital, seeing patients and things okay. like that. So it's kind of similar, but we don't get as broad of uh, as uh, training that you would do with medical school where, um, and we don't get trained in surgery usually. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yes, it's not as broad, but to me, it kind of sounds um, nice, especially if you know what you want to do and you can kind of focus mainly on those things. So, um, wow, that's really incredible. Like I had no, yeah. I had no, yeah. you know, yeah. is a doula different than a midwife? Yeah. So a doula is um, basically like a birthing coach. Uh, so they're usually okay. not medically trained okay okay they can help you through the labor process and there's different types of doulas there's like a postpartum doula there's a a sex therapist doula or something like that so there's all different types Uh, of doulas but there for them it's just being there like as an assistant to help with relaxation especially for um, moms who are trying to go natural um, so you see them mostly in like labor settings, um, but they do not have any like um, medical authority uh, or anything or um, licensure or I mean, there is like licensing that happens for a doula, um, but you're not able to do deliveries or anything like that. They're really there to just kind of help you through the birthing process. And there are some like amazing doulas that are out there but I think there is a lot of a clash sometimes with doulas and um and midwives and like nursing and hospital staff because the doulas just have it in their minds like we're gonna go natural no matter what I don't care what you have to say I don't care about the safety we gotta go natural and so sometimes it can cause a clash um but the great doulas are amazing and they will help moms whether they're going natural or not, like help them walk them through the labor process. Mm. Um, and so right now, unfortunately, it's really hard for doulas because the hospitals are not allowing them to come into the right, labor Right, right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so because of that, that's kind of difficult. But um, like for the mom who's delivering at home or there's like great postpartum doulas, they can come in and help you with breastfeeding. They can help, like, they'll sometimes even do like take shifts. So you can sleep at night and then they can take care of the baby. And um, they'll have like great herbs and oils available to kind of help with massage. And mm. if you're suffering with, you know, like aches and pains where they can kind of help moms through that process. Because if you think about it, like dads have no idea, you right. know, and they're just right. like, thrown into this thing and so they're supposed to support moms but they have no idea like what they're supposed to do like what they're supposed to say you know and you know even us as moms when we're going through the process we don't know what we're going to need and sometimes we're like 
you know, we think like, oh, them soft touching us when we're in excruciating pain is gonna be nice, and then <laughs> they do it, and they're like, get away from me, no, no. Don't touch me. Other times, you know, they they might need to be your dance partner, or they might need to like be your, you know, cheerleader, and be like, you got this, you got this, you know. But a lot of dads have, you know, it's hard for them because it's not like they sit around with some beers and be like, hey, so for the labor, (laughs) what are y'all going to do, you know? And so um, I think in those kind of settings, especially when things can get pretty overwhelming, intense, um, I think a doula is awesome. Uh, But the roles are a little bit Okay, yeah. I mean, it's not the same. I I -hmm. just know that term from somebody that I knew a long time ago who she expressed to me that she wanted to be a doula. And I just kind Mm -hmm. of put – for again, in my ignorance, categorize these things, midwife and doula together. So thank you for clarifying that for me. Um, Mimi, you know, we've been chatting for a little while now. And um, do you have some more time to chat a little bit longer? Is that okay? Yeah, Um, yeah. Well, I know that you do have a beautiful family, Andrew, who I've known for a very long time and your beautiful daughter, Umbi. How old is she now? She's two. She also she just turned two uh, February third. That's right. You guys have like birthdays next to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's we do. So precious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, has she started her like terrific twos yet, or is she just entering, or is she just a great oh. baby? <laughs> terrific. A hard word for right. me. Oh. I just call him that, but. <laughs> Yes, uh, it's terrific because I have never seen uh, such a rambunctious little human in my oh. life. Um, but yeah, she is, Umbi, uh, she's two. She is feisty, but and independent, but she's also super sweet and happy and very curious. Um, and so she's amazing. And so actually the reason our bir- our birthdays are actually a day apart. So I'm February second and Unbi is February 3rd and um, the reason for that is my blood pressure during my pregnancy with Unbi was out the roof and the doctor said okay we're gonna have to deliver and I was like okay can we just push it off one day please oh my gosh I didn't want to have the same birthday yeah yeah um but a reason that my blood pressure was so high was I actually have a son in heaven, um, and he was born February 9th of 2018. Um, so unfortunately, we experienced a loss at 36 weeks in 2018 with our firstborn. Um, his name is Eunhyung, and um, and so the beginning of February has always been a tough time for me. Um, Not, you know, prior to pregnancy, but um, with the loss of our son in uh, 2018, it was sudden. Um, And me working as a midwife, I was a new midwife at that time. Um, And so you just never think when you're working in the industry, like you hear about these things happening, stillborns happening, loss happening, but you just never think that it would happen to you and just randomly one day everything was going fine and one day um I was at work and I didn't feel much movement for the baby Mm. and we did an ultrasound and we found there was no heartbeat Mm. um and so I was 
like so just thrown off. I think the minute you get pregnant, whether it's three weeks, five weeks, 40 weeks, there is an expectancy that you have, you know, when, when you get pregnant, you have this like joy of expecting a baby coming in and it's half, you know, half of your genes and half of your partner's genes. And you just have this like joy and expectancy. And so you just never expect to experience a loss. And so um, at 36 weeks, we found out and, um, and I was so devastated and Andrew was devastated. And it was just so like, we just, could not believe that this was happening and unfortunately because I was at 36 weeks I still had to deliver a full four baby Um, but we never got to hear him cry Mm. and so um, and so me being a midwife I decided like we had to we had to induce that labor Um, and so we had to get medications to kind of start the labor process and so I decided I wanted to go natural with Eunhyung so I could kind of see what it's like to have a baby naturally. Um, and so thank God the labor was actually not as long. I think it was about, it was less than 24 hours. So I'm so thankful for that. Um, and we never found any reason for or the cause of the loss. And so the only thing was that he was a little bit small, but I was also small. Um, and um, there was something called a marginal cord insertion where if we, if anybody's ever seen a picture of a placenta, it's like a round organ looking thing. And then there's like a umbilical cord that's attached to the baby that's in the center of the placenta. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like all the, where all the nutrients for the baby comes through. Mm-hmm. The only thing was that the cord was like inserted on the edge of the placenta instead of in the center, which is very common, usually not anything that would cause any issues. Um, but it, that was the only thing. The genetic testing was all normal. There was nothing that showed any reason for it. So I think at that time it was even harder for me to understand like you know what did I do wrong you know why would this happen um and so it was very easy for me I think even for Andrew to like build up you know bitterness and resentment towards God um but when he was born he was perfect um he just looked happy and so peaceful and so I think God just wanted to protect him and wanted him early next to him. So, um, so we definitely, you know, always have him in our memory and our thoughts. And, and so after that happened, we were not planning on getting pregnant and I was totally okay. Like not getting pregnant ever. I was fine with just me and Andrew. We have two dogs. I was happy with that. Mm. Um, and then, of course, of course, like the one time we had sex, like mm. we got pregnant, <laughs> like pretty soon after the delivery. So we had Unyang February, and then uh, we got pregnant in June. So wow. literally, wow. like the first time we were cleared right. after our postpartum visit. Yeah. Like the one time we were like, eh, 
what could happen? And of course we got pregnant. And I honestly think getting pregnant, I was, hold on, sorry. Hello? Hello. Okay. Um, I was not excited at all. I was actually kind of mad. And I was like, what the heck, God, why? You know, I can't go through this again. And so, um, and then the due date, it turned out, was going to be a month apart from Unyong's delivery time. And so I was like, I was a mess throughout that pregnancy. I was so anxious. And I think I went into it like every day saying, this is the day I'm going to lose my baby. This is the day I'm going to lose my baby, oh my you know? So every day I was just a mess. And I think that is definitely a reason my blood pressure just right, started to right. skyrocket. Um, especially as we got close to that 35 week mark. Um, I was just so anxious because it was so unexpected the first time. Um, I was just thinking like, okay, it's going to happen again, no matter what. And so, um, but, but, you know, I I think that I'm so sorry, Mimi, I just, uh, before I forget my question, um, Mm. I'm curious, did you feel that way? Because like, is there a higher risk for that if you've experienced it the first time? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So okay. if you've experienced the, and it's called a IUFD or intrauterine fetal demise. So, um, you know, a miscarriage is usually anything that happens less than 20 weeks. And then anything after 20 weeks is considered a fetal demise. So okay. a death of the fetus. And so um, anytime there is a history of a fetal demise, there is a high chance of it possibly happening again. And so you're definitely considered a high-risk pregnancy. Um, and so you have to be monitored a little bit closer and you have to meet with like a specialist. And um, like, it's a lot more monitoring um, just because of that history. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. sorry. And so you were saying you felt like that was probably why your blood pressure was skyrocketing. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so as a midwife too, like... I'm sure you you're so much more aware, right, of like what's happening. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, sorry, I'm gonna switch to non AirPods. No problem. Um, hello. Okay. Yes. Great. Um. Um. Yeah. So I was like, just I don't know. I think the tough part was after Unhyung's delivery, we. Um, thankfully got a bereavement period Mm. and in that time you know Indra and I we went through counseling and things like that but I had to go back to work and my work is delivering babies and so I think the hardest thing I ever had to do was six weeks after I had I lost the young I had to go into the delivery room put a smile on my face and deliver another baby Mm. and I remember like the one thing um, like Andrew and I kept saying after Eunhyung was born, like we were holding him and we were just saying like, okay, like cry now. You can cry, like just cry for us, you know? And we never saw that, ha- you know, or heard that happening. And so to go into a delivery room, like hear a heartbeat, do, 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 do. And then we go through the delivery. It was a beautiful delivery. Everything went very smoothly. And then hearing that baby cry, it was just so heartbreaking for me. Um, but I couldn't 
you know, just break down in front of my patients. I just had to, you know, put a smile on and then just keep, keep, keep going. Um, and so I think that was so hard and it definitely made working as a midwife hard. But then I think for some reason in that season, our practice, my previous practice that I was with, experienced a lot of fetal demises. And really? I think my practice, yeah, I don't, we don't know what it was, but my practice was trying to protect me and saying like, you know what, you don't have to go to that delivery. You don't have to, but like, I felt like, like, you know, these were one of the reasons why like God put me in this position, you know, is like, I can like truly understand like the pain these mothers are going through, the pain these dads are going through. And like, I may not be able to say anything to them. I might not be able to give them any reasoning or, I can't say anything, you know, but all I could say was like, you know, I, I'm here with you and like, I know your pain and you have every right to cry and be angry, you know, but I'm here to do that with you. And so whether it was a miscarriage at like five weeks or a fetal loss um, later on, I think it's definitely shown me that every birth is truly a miracle and a blessing um and like you know in the bible verse where it says that like god breathed life into me and you know knew my name in my womb in my mother's womb you know we think about that and i think it's truly like every single baby that's conceived is you know truly like such a miracle a blessing and yeah. um you know when we have hard moments as moms and our kids are driving us nuts um you know we just have to be reminded that like god you know chose us to be the mothers of our children but also raised our children and carried them through to where they are today and like and you know if there is someone who has experienced loss who has experienced infertility who has experienced you know uh, multiple miscarriages anything like that um like know that like the Lord is there and present in your womb and he is present there with every single one of your babies, whether on earth or in heaven. And, you know, we may not know the reasons behind some of these things, but like God is holding all of our babies so close to him. And mm -hmm. so um, that is definitely um, a word of encouragement for anyone who is struggling um, with any of those things. And even for future moms out there, um, you know, just know that your bodies are amazing and God has created your bodies to do amazing things. Um, so like when you want to beat yourself up about your weight or you're not living up to social standards, like just know that like women were created to be so special and amazing. And, um, and like God has really created us to like carry out one of his greatest commandments of creating babies. So, um, so, you know, uh, women are amazing. And I'm so, uh, I feel so blessed that I have this experience mm -hmm. and continue to make more experiences in my life and bless other people. Yeah, no, I mean, oh my gosh, Mimi. 
like I'm speechless, you know, really, because, you know, I've heard your yours and Andrew's story before. And to have you come on and share it with this uh, with on this platform with with me. Um, first of all, thank you for your transparency and your vulner, vulnerability. But um, I mean, as a mom myself, you know, I again, like I cannot wrap my head around uh, what you and Andrew went through. Um, but, you know, praise the Lord that you guys um, are followers of Jesus to be able to see the purpose of Eun right? And his purpose in this life and um, now in heaven. And even, um, yeah, you guys just being able to be the light in that kind of darkness and that kind of um, trauma, if you, you know, pardon the term, but it is, you know, it is what it is. And I feel like I'm so blessed to even know you that, yeah, like, I think, you know, it's so easy to go to a place of like, even people like kind of almost like it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, no, it did. And, you know, that's where the healing in the life comes back and I'm mm-hmm. just so grateful for you. And I, and I, I'm not even going to pretend I know what it's like, cause obviously mm-hmm. I don't. And, but I, I thank you for being that voice in our community um, to be able to share that story. And for moms that are probably feeling really alone, you know, in this mm-hmm. situation, um, mm-hmm. please, if you are hearing this, um, I know that Andrew and Mimi, they have a heart for, uh, for you for you they have a heart for you so please feel free to connect um is that all right Mimi yeah yeah Yeah. totally yeah yeah so um, I don't you know I I usually like try to keep our time to an hour and I'm sorry for taking up so much of your time you're like a busy um like midwife with a with a family to take care of so I I'm so honored that you even took the time to come on today um any any last words any any advice for somebody maybe thinking like hey this might be for me any advice you could give them real quick um i would say like um everyone who enters into midwifery they're always like oh my god the schedule the schedule is rough Mm -hmm. but um i think the things that i think are the hardest is knowing that like i'm always going to be on call whether, you know, when my family is going through a special event or, um, you know, my daughter is doing a dance recital or something like that. And I'm going to have moments where I miss out on those things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that would be the real setback of the career as a midwife. But um, the blessing is that you get to be a part of like, like the family's like such an important part of a family's um like timeline and um and I I just see like God like I feel like every single delivery like God is just present and just like kissing on those babies you know um and so um it is just such a like almost like a like a holy experience mm-hmm. where God is just so present and so um if anyone has questions or concerns or is, you know, even just contemplating, like hit me up, I'm totally open. And it's such a, 
an amazing field to be in, to be working with women on a daily basis. I honestly cannot do men's parts and kids yeah. at all. So, um, but women, I'm like, I can handle it all day. And so, um, so yeah, like if you have a heart for a woman, it's an amazing field. Um, you get to kind of dibble in everything. You get to kind of do like office work, seeing patients, you get to be in like more adrenaline racing like a you know emergency type situations you get to be in deliveries you get to you still get some days off during the week um so that's super nice to do and like my days off I I lounge and don't do anything um <laughs> and um and yeah and um and then you know Anybody who, you know, wants to talk to me or my husband about our journey, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, my social media game is not very strong, but um, like I'm on Instagram and I will send Blair the link. Yes. Um, and Andrew is also on Instagram. But um, overall, we love to just, you know, share in life with anyone. Um whether you have kids or not, married, not, you know, whatever the life journey is, we love to kind of uh, be there together and enjoy life together. So uh, we'd love to just talk with you and hang out. We love good food um, and we love working out. So we live in Cummings, uh, but we're, you know, open to going anywhere to hang out with people. So, um, so yeah, thank you so much, Blair, for this time. I feel so like cool that I get to share what I do. <laughs> no, I feel cool. I'm like, yes, <laughs> like this is amazing. So great. Thank you so much again, Mimi. I really appreciate it. Um, hey, you guys, if you um, have comments about this episode and like Mimi said, feel free to reach out. You can DM me or DM her. I'll connect you guys. Um, or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. All right, guys, until next time. Thanks, Mimi. Bye. Thank you.